Welcome to Set on Sunday, a podcast by Kellyville Anglican, where we talk about what was said on Sunday, or even what we didn't have time to say on Sunday. We are passionate about being deep in the Word of God and doing life together in community. So thanks for letting us into your week as we learn more about Jesus together. Here's today's episode. Well, Dave, Nathan, great to have you both here. Thank you, James. It's nice to be back after... I think I was on a bench last week. No, I think I benched myself. You benched yourself, did I you? Did. Oh, very good. I did. Yeah. Got to freshen yourself up. He'll be extra yeah. vibey this yeah. week. So. I had to do my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's golden, Nathan. It's good to have you, mate. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's um, yeah, it's gonna be fun, Dave. Dave's warned me that he's he's ready to grill me this week, so well, I think we're both ready. Lord, to grill have him, mercy mate. on me! <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, you think Sunday's bad? You wait till set on Sunday. That's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where right. the, the heavy heavy questions come in, mate. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for opening God's Word for us on Sunday. Um, great job, uh, really helpful um, time together as we sat under um, God's Word. And mate, look for those that missed out on the sermon on Sunday. What did we talk about? Yeah, so we looking at Matthew 3, uh, and the theme of the week was humility and repentance. And so looking at John the Baptist and seeing this great man with a big following who plays an important role in history and in Scripture, but is just characterized by humility through and through, and then comparing him to the other religious uh, leaders, which are the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who refuse to repent, refuse to confess, full of arrogance, uh, I think they'll be saved just because of who they are, uh, and then sort of... Yeah, challenging, challenging us. Where, how do we respond? Do we do we sneakily look at ourselves as nice Hills District people and, and accidentally fall into the same mistake uh, as the Pharisees, or uh, do we humble ourselves uh, before God and before others? Because uh, that's the way that you prepare for the true King. Yeah, awesome. Well, for those that might be new to our podcast, set on Sunday is an opportunity for us to um, answer some of the questions that we didn't get to on Sunday. Uh, so we put it out to the congregation uh, whilst uh, one of us are preaching to send in some questions of things that they would like clarified from the sermon. And so today we're going to jump into a bunch of these questions. Uh, and so we're going to start off, uh, great question, number one. I believe the reason why the religious leaders were there is because they were threatened of John's preaching, um, something other than what the religious leaders' message slash teachers were doing. Especially being dressed the way he was, because he didn't have the look of someone with authority. Now I would suspect John would know exactly why they were there, was John's statement of, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath because he wanted to emphasize the point of heading, uh, heeding the warning to repent now and potentially not waiting till it's too late? Uh, there's a lot in there. Yeah, yeah there's a lot. Yeah, um, yeah I, think, I think they are threatened by John. I think he's, he's coming on the scene. He's, he's a new preacher. Uh, and like I said, like people are leaving the city to go out into the desert to listen to this guy. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely a threat there. So they're threatened by the size of his following. Yes, his message is also different to theirs, uh, a message of repentance and confession as opposed, uh, based on, we don't get a super detailed run through of, of the Pharisees' teachings, but it seemed to be very law related and, and you have to hit these certain benchmarks, law plus the extra tradition, mm. tradition that they put on top. Mm. Uh, and so he's preaching something different. He's getting a big following uh, and we see both their treatment of Jesus and John. It's always in the, in the realm of testing and challenging, and in Jesus' case, trying to trick him and trap him. Uh, and so, yeah, John John's ready, and he calls them out straight away. And I do think, but in both Jesus and John's case, they do actually want to see these guys saved. And so, it, yeah, it's blunt as it's brutal, but they're challenging these guys, hoping that they're going to end up 
uh, spending eternity uh, with Jesus rather than because they hate them and, and want to humiliate and embarrass them. So it's one of the reasons, <clears throat> I think we talked about what's the motivation of them coming. Mm. Um, you know, yes, they're threatened by, you know, by John's preaching, but it's interesting, John's comment, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? I assume he's talking about Jesus coming and, mm. you know, judgment that's arriving. Mm. Is what John is sort of saying there is, is I know you guys aren't coming to repent because mm. you know that Jesus is coming and get your hearts ready, you know, for the true king who's going to come. Mm. It, it almost feels in there like you guys are coming for all the wrong reasons. Mm. Who warns you, right? Like, you're not here because of the reason that everyone else is here. Mm. Is that? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think another clue that they're coming antagonistically is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming together and they hate each other. And so if they gang up on someone, then, mm. you know, they're not, there's, there's an issue there. And I, and I think, I think that's right. He's sort of saying, it's, it's almost an ironic question. Who warned you to repent? Because you guys don't think you need to repent. So yeah. uh, th- that is not your goal when you come here. You, you're trying to suss me out or you're going to try and discredit me. And we're, we're not having that. One of the questions someone asked me is I was walking out um, and they didn't want to put it in because they didn't think it was, they thought they should know, uh, is what's a Pharisee? And what's a Sadducee? Mm. Uh, and I said, you put, you, did you put it in? text it in? Yeah. I said, no, no, no. I looked it up on Google. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, we are yeah. better than Google. Yeah. Well, they said at least Nathan Brewer is better than Google. So, oh, that's a big call. Yeah, um, that's big. Yeah. What's a Pharisee? What's a Sadducee? Yeah, so they sort of rose up uh, to prominence in the gap between the end of the OT and, and Jesus' time. So mm. in that 400 year 400 year gap and, and there were sort of religious zealots, uh, there were leaders uh, and in a time where they're getting oppressed by war and different religions are coming in, Pharisees are actually quite warmly liked and well received because they were these people zealous for Israel, zealous for God's law. They're not compromising on their faith, and so uh, we don't like we you know don't warm to them because they're challenging our Savior over and over and over again in Scripture. But they were actually quite liked uh, in the mm. society they were in because they really stood firm to the OT, and, and they were so zealous that. Um, they invented extra laws on top of it. And so they're the Pharisees. They sort of rose in that intermediate period. Sadducees, they, um, I mean, there are a bunch of priests called Zadokites. And so we think that it derives from that. Uh, Sadducee, Zadokite, pretty similar. And again, yeah, again, pretty zealous. Uh, they have, they, these guys do have disagreements uh, on theology in that Pharisees believe in a resurrection and Sadducees don't. Um Anyway, so, you know, the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't think they'll be resurrected. Wow. So that's how you remember them. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And and more college teachers. <laughs> <laughs> a full-on dad joke. <laughs> Beautiful, man. Yeah. Beautiful. So good. Yeah, so that's, that's where they're from. And so they don't, they don't agree on lots. And, and Paul in Acts actually uses their disagreements to his advantage to get himself yeah. out of a pickle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in one of his court trials, he appeals to the resurrection and then the Pharisees and the Sadducees turn on each other. So, yeah, the fact that they're coming together, it's a red flag that they've, they've got a target mm. on someone and they yeah. want to bring someone down. Yeah. Awesome. Do text your question in, even if you think you should know it. Mm. And Nathan's just proved. Mm. How, and again, he's, yeah. be, he's better than Google. Well, look, I don't actually think Google could summarise that as quickly and yeah, yeah. as well as that. So, <laughs> good job. Um, well done, maybe mate. he can be the nickname yeah. in the office. Mm. Um, Google. <laughs> the only the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. Yeah. That's so, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Get it. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, let me throw in another question there, a bit of a shorter one. Mm-hmm. 
Is there any connection between the 12 stones taken from the Jordan and these stones that John speaks of in Matthew 3, 9? Dave, do you want to have a crack? Yeah. Um, I think the easy answer is no, but I'm sure, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you want me to say more. Oh, look, uh, that'd be great. No, you <laughs> are the I would hope that you have more to say on matters like these. The tough questions. The tough questions. Look, I think if um, uh, John had said uh, these 12 stones, hmm. there would have been a greater connection to, to sort of pull between the, the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River, you know, and the memorial to the events that sort of took place there. But my understanding of what uh, John is doing at that particular point is it's a bit of a barb into the Pharisees and Sadducees' side at that point to go, you guys think you're all good and safe with the king who's about to come because you're resting on your inheritance and your family tree. Hmm. And he's going, actually, you know, he's going to be able to make disciples out of these stones, hmm. like as in, you know, the, the inanimate object that he could sort of, you know, produce a disciple from yeah. uh, as opposed to your inheritance. Like it's sort of taken one extreme to the other yeah. um, and to sort of go, this, you know, don't rest and rely on your inheritance uh, because it's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do whether you trust and uh, put your faith in the true king. Mm. And so should we be looking, you know, the broader idea of this is, should we be looking for those little hints here and there right throughout the Bible and connecting stuff together? Is that something we should be doing? Uh, it's a yes and a no, like all good essay answers, <laughs> um, or a yes but no. Uh, and so, yes, we do want to be looking for connections mm. um, because the Bible is one long story. Uh, and uh, I remember when I discovered the Bible was one long story. Mm. I think I was like 19 at the time, and I'm like, what? Mm. There's actually connections. It's one unfolding story, and that's amazing. And the term we use today is called biblical theology, so yep. putting the story you know, all the way mm. through. And what you can start to see when you do it, there's this common threads that work their way through, uh, and there's common ideas, and there's things that Jesus does where he's you know, deliberately wanting us to sort of see this is picking up on something that happened in the Old Testament. However, you can possibly take it too far, which is the but no, mm. uh, and uh, you can f you can potentially have your eyes too wide open and go, oh, there's this here, and mm. you know, there's that there, and oh, yeah, we can draw a link there. Uh, sometimes you can stretch the bow just a little bit too far, um, yeah, okay. which is the good thing about learning in community. Sometimes it's good to go, what do you think about this? And you go, oh, I never saw that. It's a good connection. Other times you go, and they go, Probably not. Hmm. I think this is one of those. Yeah, yeah maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to push back? Yeah, on? I think. Yeah, I love the the heart behind the question of. I think you know you, they they clearly see that scripture sheds light on other scripture and, mm. and and drawing connections. And yeah, it's always good to be seeking to do that. But um, yeah, considering what the original author's intent mm. is, uh, so what would that. Like, what's Matthew's intent with that? I think, yeah, he's trying to humble the Pharisees by saying, even these inanimate objects can be disciples of Jesus if yeah. Jesus wants them to. Yeah. So you be humble. Um, but if it was in a conversation about tribes or disciples and, and 12 had been popping up over and over again, then I think that connection becomes much more uh, valid and legitimate. But yeah, it's, um, but yeah I, lo I love the fact that they're not reading each passage as a standalone block that it's yeah all they, they're tied to passages before and after and especially with Matthew who's tying everything uh, back to the Old Testament as best he can yeah um, so in some ways I like that the, the question asker is, is doing what Matthew does he's trying to you know mm. tying everything back to the Old Testament but I don't 
I don't think there's a clear enough connection for us to, to say that with any confidence. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, in your sermon on Sunday, theme of humility mm-hmm. came up. And so one of the questions that has come in here is, how do we best deal with our worldly leaders that lack humility? Especially when we as Christians feel they're doing some very harmful things. Uh, thinking particularly of the US leaders in regarding to the lack of gun laws after the horror there in the schools this week. Uh, what, if any, response do we make to mass shootings and, and the gospel message? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a very timely question. And, mm. yeah, we, we see another mass shooting and it's something like the 27th school shooting or something this year, like something crazy. And so mm. we just grieve and we're frustrated and we're annoyed. And so, uh, yeah, humility doesn't equal being passive and doing nothing. And so, yeah, you can can stand up for what you think is right um where humility comes in is is how do you how do you stand up for what you believe is right you know are you you gracious and kind and seeking to see the other side and 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 being uh yeah being humble in the way you go about it are you aggressive and patronizing and condescending and just Mm. really worked up um but i think also we've got to remember with with our leaders that the Bible actually does give instructions on, on how, to, how to engage with them. And, and one of the key ones is we pray for them. And so the leaders that are frustrating us, that aren't changing laws, that we think they've got things in place that are damaging and harmful, we pray for them. And, and maybe we pray for the leaders we don't like more than we do for the leaders that we do like and trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we pray those leaders that are frustrating you in the States, we pray for them. Um, they need wisdom. Uh, they're dealing with an issue which is so ingrained in their constitution. Mm. It's, it's, it is really hard. So, yeah, we're praying for them and, and we want to honour them as best we can and, and being aware that, you know, like I, I'm frustrated by some of their laws and yet I, if, you know, I'm, not, mm. I'm not convinced that I could do a better job than a lot of those people, you know. So <laughs> yeah. um, definitely, you know, have your view. Uh, you don't feel like you need this, you know, humility is just passively sitting mm. on it, not doing anything, but, yeah, the way you go about it. Yeah, um, is important, and I think we just want to. Um, <clears throat> I think we just want to acknowledge this the deep grief, mm. and uh, that, that goes with the tragedy. Mm. Um, I, I, I just, it's almost unfathomable to sort of think something like that, you know, occurs. I mean, I mean, mm. you, you just sort of put yourself in the shoes of people. You mm. know, if that was to happen locally around here, just the devastation. Mm. Um, you know, and to know that it's. It's not a isolated incident. Mm. Like I just think the deep. We just want to say, it deeply grieves us mm. uh, that, that those things happen, and we mm. we do pray that Jesus would return. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. no, really helpful. I listened to an American podcaster sort of going, "I felt stress driving my kid to school today." Just, yeah, you know, a couple of days after, like totally, like yeah, they're grieving. You know, like. And it's, it's a bit scary, like, yeah, yeah. So getting ourselves in other people's shoes yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. It, is, it is so deeply ingrained. Remind you at some point, I'll, I'll tell a story about when I went to the States and um, uh, a pastor over there and what he wanted me to get trained in. Mm. <laughs> for another time, <laughs> leave him right. in suspense. We'll, uh, we'll park that for next time. <laughs> um, I'm curious now. I don't even know what that story is about. All right, well, moving on. Uh, Short question here. Did Jesus hate the Pharisees? <laughs> Don't laugh. We said no silly questions. No, 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 no. no. It's a fair enough. It's funny because it's Come kind on, of... Mate. No, it's funny because I can totally understand why they're asking it because yeah. Jesus is so blunt. And, and that chunk I read from Matthew 23, like, 
That's oh. a, that's a thirty-five verse chunk. Like yeah. I read like a seventh of it. That, just... that woe to the Pharisees <laughs> section in, in twenty-three yeah. is full on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine seeing that. Oh, I can because there's been times where you felt scolded by a scroll. <laughs> it sort of <laughs> feels like what's sort of going on, but it's it's, yeah. it's justified. But I thought you gave a good answer on Sunday when this question came out. I think it was night, night church. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Yeah, so no, he doesn't hate them. Um, and again, I think similar to John and, 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 and Jesus as well, like they want these guys to be saved, but they're so far from the kingdom because they're just not seeing any, they're not seeing any of their own faults, any of the judgment lying ahead of them, any need to repent. And so Jesus and John, they, they go in harder on them. And I think, so Matthew 23, I read, I think five verses of it. It goes for, it goes for something like 40 verses and the third, first 35 verses are just ripping them to shreds. Mm. Uh, but then that last five verses is Jesus going, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, yeah. I want to be saved. You know, I, I weep over you, you know, like a, um, like a mother trying to protect his children. Like he's devastated that they're at this stage going to go to, go, go, going to hell and facing judgment. And he desperately doesn't want them to. And, and, and they're the ones who, are, you know, the Romans ultimately put him on the cross, but the Jewish leaders are the key players uh, who, you know, on mm-hmm. the other side and, and Jesus is on the cross and, and, you know, his words are, Father, forgive them. They yeah. don't know what they're doing. So there's a deep love from Jesus for the Pharisees, but it, it takes the form of challenging and pushing and stretching. Well, I think too, because the, the opposite of love we think is hate. Mm. But I actually think the opposite of love is indifference. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you, you think of the times where, um, you know, you, you do nothing because you're like, ah, you know, I don't really like that person, therefore I'm not going to respond to that email. But the fact that Jesus and John is engaged at this point, you know, I think shows he's, mm. he's not indifferent. He's not ignoring them and going, whatever, next. Mm. Uh, it's, no, no, you guys got to flee from the coming wrath. Yeah. Uh, you need to do something. And you only do that if you love someone. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, there were a number of questions that came in uh, about John, so I'll try and put them all together. Uh, the first one was, how does John just automatically know that the person arriving is Jesus? Is there some sort of connection between them? Pre this event, yeah, well, there's a there's a family connection. So we read in Luke one and two that they're they're actually cousins, uh, yep. and so yeah, decent chance they've grown up together. Um, it'd be fascinating to have Jesus and John the Baptist in your backyard. But anyway, yeah, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely fascinating. Um, but yeah, they're they're family related. Uh, we read a nice little incident, you know, in um, Luke one or two where uh, Elizabeth meets Mary and John's in uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth's womb and he hears about you know somehow he hears about Jesus coming and, and um, he leaped for joy in the womb so fascinating mm. you know we'll get we'll get Dave to answer how that works um, <laughs> <laughs> above my pay grade but uh, yeah so there's a cool story so that's so they've, they've known each other they've grown up together they're related by family yeah. and so yeah John John's yeah. ready to go and so as soon as he sees Jesus he's going to recognise him because mm. he's the boy he's probably grown up with yep yeah, awesome um, do we know what happened to him later in his life? Yeah, it's too yeah. sad. I'm going to have to get uh, to Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's beheaded later on. Uh, and again, it's his truth-telling that gets him in trouble mm. uh, because he calls out the sin of, of the king at that point and his daughter, I think, doesn't like it. And then off he goes. Mm. Well, off his head goes. Yeah. So, yeah. Brutal. <laughs> Brutal, but... Um, it is. Know. I mean, the... 
tough times that you live in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess you could say he's the first Christian martyr. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. John yeah. the Baptist, yeah. So, I mean, a man like him in some ways, it's almost a fitting end for someone like him who's so sold out for Jesus and, mm. and that, he, that he ultimately cost him his life is, yeah, almost fitting because he's just mm. so, so all about Jesus. So, yeah, yeah it sure. did cost him everything. Yep. Awesome. Well, uh, last question about John and his ministry. Um, comes in, hey, I'm just wondering how John the Baptist understood baptism pre-Jesus' death and resurrection seems to have a new or newly revealed meaning for us post the cross. Nathan. Oh, they're, they're arguing each other off. They don't want to answer it. They're both like, who wants to take this one, eh? Uh, okay. Anyway, I remember, um, as some of you may know, I come from a Baptist background. And no. so I was chatting to a, a minister, a really wise minister I respected a lot um, back in the day. And um, they, they, I said, what's the case for infant baptism? Seems like a weird thing that we've come up with. And he, and he pointed me to, to John saying, well, John, John was baptizing people before they trusted in Jesus uh, and so you know maybe there's something there so maybe that influences your view of baptism uh, it seems to be a preparing it's it's yeah his old ministry you know quoting Isaiah 40 and in verse 3 of Matthew 3 it's to prepare the way for the Lord mm-hmm. and so preparing your heart confessing your sin um, repenting and then and being baptized is sort of the way you prep and so yeah, as an Anglican, I want to say, yeah, baptizing someone before they fully trust in Jesus, it's a way of preparing them. And then they can later come and confirm those, confirm that or reject that later on. They are just yeah. words that just warm my heart, <laughs> Nathan Brewer. That's 39 articles. <laughs> warm my heart. What, what, a, what a wise and much respected person that told you those words. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. <laughs> um, but it, it is interesting that... Uh, that John's message is repentance, mm. uh, and there is a baptism connection to it. Mm. Uh, if you go on, you know, through Acts, there's still people uh, they come across who are following John, and you know, following the baptism they got there, and mm. they meet Paul and the others, and like, no, no, like Jesus, come, the one you're getting ready for, and he, um, you know, they you've got to get baptized again, uh, and so they get baptized again. Mm. Um, so look. I know there's lots of debates around this in terms of, you know, baptism, when to have it and stuff, um, you know, but I think there is warrant for infant baptism. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't be an angle. <laughs> I mean, you'd hate to have that, you know. Uh, yeah, that's that's part of what we sign up to, but, yeah. So I think there's, there is warrant for the baptism here mm. and warrant for Matthew 28 that says, you know, go and baptise people as, as they believe. Yep. Mm. Yep. Awesome. All right, well, let's um, come back to the uh, idea of humility, a uh, prevalent theme. Uh, Nathan, you mentioned a few key leaders um, that have fallen. And so one of the questions that came through was, how are we to think of the fruit that comes from people who have fallen out of ministry? Yeah. This and you're going to answer that one. <laughs> this is a really good question. Yeah. Someone in the church must have been really thinking hard about that. A really wise and respected leader in my life wrote this question. Um, he also answered my infant baptism question uh, back in the day. Uh, yeah, it's a really... I mean, so much of the Bible raises that tension and that it's crummy people, fallen people, but God uses them for good. And 
And so sometimes it's it's fallen people who have good intentions and want to do the right thing, and, and God uses them. Sometimes it's fallen people with bad intentions uh, that God uses uses for good. And so again, all praise goes to God uh, for that. That um, He's dealing with sinful human beings, and sometimes people who are openly antagonistic to Him and can use them for good. Mm. Uh, and yet we get left with yeah, those those questions of what about those leaders? Like yeah, I mean, it sounds like you know tens of thousands of people being baptized as a result of those guys' ministries that are put on the screen. Mm. And the sad part is it, it does a lot of damage and there'll be a lot of people who leave the faith because of because of their actions and the fact that they their faith was tied to some of those men and so yeah. they've done they've done irreparable damage both spiritually and sometimes physically and emotionally. Yeah. And and so we just grieve that. Um, and and yet God will have used some of them to some of what they did to save others and it's it's messy it's hard and yeah, mm. but, yeah mm. we just praise god that he brings some good out of those wicked people yeah see i think i think i'd want to push it a little bit further to say um do you have can you genuinely say that you always have the best and purest motivation mm. as a leader Oh, maybe this is too revealing, but let me be vulnerable and say, I don't think I do. Hmm. Um, and so I think every, le- I mean, our theology tells every leader it's flawed. Hmm. Um, and the, the thing we were talking about in previous is that we're all the fruits of flawed leaders. Hmm. Some have a more spectacular flaw and yeah. flaw, um, and fall hmm. in their leadership. Um and need to be called to account for it because, you know, James tells us that, you know, if you lead, <laughs> you teach, mm. you're going to be judged more harshly. Therefore, you know, watch your life, watch your doctrine closely, yep. you know, protect your marriage, keep it pure, so on and so forth, all those things. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that was the essence behind my question mm. of, you know, how, how do we think about the fruits? Because I feel like I, I, I've had great leaders in my life, people mm. I respect greatly. I haven't always, I haven't always felt the love. Sometimes I'm like, oh, dude, like that hurt. I'm not mm. sure you're acting kindly <laughs> in that. And, and there's probably people that are saying the same thing about my leadership in at, at points. And mm. um, anyway, so I think that was just the gist of my yeah. question. And I, I yeah, I really agree with it. And that uh, I think it's Isaiah sixty four six. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Yes. So like our best, our best acts are tainted. You know, yeah. and then I think. Um, so even if we, you know, we're preaching Jesus and we feel really that we're all about Jesus, we're, we're still just, we're sinners. Yeah. We're slightly, you never have 100% pure motives. Uh, and then even Jeremiah 17, 9, I think, you know, the human heart is deceitful above all things. Yeah. So even if you think your heart's in a great place, yeah. the, human, the human heart's deceitful. But there is that, there's a fascinating text at the end of Philippians 1, where Paul talks about people who are preaching the gospel in order to cause him problems. I don't know how that works, but he says, I don't care about their intent as long as Jesus is preached. Praise God. And so there's that mentality as well. Like Mm. if Jesus is being glorified, you know, obviously we want awesome intentions behind it as well. But, you know, Paul, very godly man, just goes, you know what, if they're causing me problems, I don't care as long as Jesus is being preached. And that's that's an amazing godly response from another very humble man. It is. It is. Awesome. Well, um, speaking of humility again, mm. how can you distinguish between a false sense of humbleness versus true humility? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
Really good question. There's a million diagnostic questions you could ask yourself. Uh, I don't know whether it's helpful to run through them or try and speak more. Well, you're one that you used on Sunday about the feedback that you got, Mm. you know, was, Mm. I thought, pretty helpful. Yeah. Um, as as one example of that sort of diagnostic question mm. of how you receive feedback, mm. um, and it is always interesting. Like, I, you know, again, maybe I feel like I'm really not. I'm not always the best at receiving <laughs> feedback, um, and there's times where you, I feel like my defenses come up. Mm. You start to you get all sort of worked up, and my question I ask to myself is, why am I responding like that? Is there something that I'm attaching to who I am that's outside of really I should be attaching it to Jesus? Mm. Like, and it's not affecting that. Therefore, they're probably trying to be helpful if, you know, I've got, you know, uh, thinking the best of them as opposed to going like they just want to make my life difficult. Mm. Um, so that's a good diagnostic question, yeah. just sort of how, how you respond to mm. feedback, how you think about other people. Do you celebrate their wins? How do we think about other mm. churches and other ministries? How do you think about other people, you know, serving in other roles? All those things touch on that humility question for me. Can you genuinely celebrate and go, it is so good they're going well. Mm. I love that that church is seeing people converted and growing deeper in Christ, you know, so on and so forth. Anyway, yeah. you guys get where I'm going. Yeah, I think... Um now this is this is not actually Dave, but another respected leader in my life. I remember him saying he had to drop out of college after first year, Bible college after first year, partly partly for health, but partly because of a humility problem. He he just found himself despairing because he was around so many people. He found himself were more gifted than him, and yeah, he, he knew he had a humility problem because that just bummed him out. That made him really sad and mm. and quite depressed. Mm. Um, and then actually having that year off, and and then he he had to learn to to celebrate and like to look around and go, how good is it that there are people who are much more gifted than me going out to serve God? And that's, that's, yeah, that was another example of going from, you know, not obvious lack of humility to, cause it, yeah, we think of lack of humility as walking around telling people how good you are. Yeah. Um, but feeling threatened by other people who are better than you, that's a bit of a worrying sign being super defensive when mm-hmm. critiqued or withdrawing when critiqued, that's another, another sign. And, and I'll even just making things about you, Often thinking about putting yourself in every single situation, and uh, yeah, often the sign that you know. And I, I use the C.S. Lewis quote: "It's not thinking less of yourself, so tearing yourself down. It's thinking about yourself less." And and so, and John is such a great example of that, and that he's just not worried about what people think about him. He's worried mm. about what people think about Jesus, uh, and that's a sign of, of humility. And so, because even if you're tearing yourself down and you're ripping, you know, mm. it's all it's still all about you. You're still only thinking about you and making things about you like it's. Yeah. yeah, it seems more humble, but and and it is in some ways, but it's still not what true humility yeah. looks like. That yeah. Philippians two quote mm. you know, um, had the same attitude that of Jesus Christ, who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but in humility made himself nothing, took on the nature of a servant, you know, and took on death, um, and therefore God exalted him um, mm. to the highest place, and every knee. Yeah shall bow like mm. that's that's humility that's that's our attitude that yeah. uh, he says we should follow yeah. and again Jesus is looking he's looking out towards others yeah. he's not looking mm. out he's not looking inward at yeah. himself he's always how can I serve God how can I serve the people I've come to save like it's, it's mm. yeah it's he's, it's thinking less about yourself yeah. yeah yeah love it awesome all right well we're at our last question 
Um, so, Nathan, on Sunday, you had a couple of pictures of leaders that had fallen. Mm. So the question that came in was for people like Zacharias, Driscoll, Houston, etc., their path to the sin that brought them down obviously wasn't instant mm. or something that happened overnight. What would have been the roots or first signs of this happening or beginning? What warning signs should we be looking out for in our lives as leaders and ambassadors for mm. Christ? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, I'm going to start it and then I'm going to throw to Dave because he's got more experience than both of us and probably seen. He's probably had the heartache of having people in his cohort fall out of ministry. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a few warning signs. Um, and you can listen to some of these guys' stories, but for Driscoll, it was he became a bigger deal, bigger than, quicker than he could have ever expected. And mm. he was huge and he was famous and, and, and that really got to his head and he became very protective uh, of his pulpit so he always had to be preaching he gave himself more and more power within the organisation if you questioned him you got shut out uh, but it he he had more success he, his success grew quicker than his character and yep. so sometimes the most dangerous thing for a minister can be quick and quick success it can be a really dangerous thing uh, for a young minister um so yeah, there's that pride, like he wasn't letting anyone else preach from his pulpit, that sort of, okay, it's all about you, and he becomes very motivated by numbers, and I think a similar thing happened with Ravi Zacharias, and he, he does some pretty ugly stuff again, it's, you have quick success, you're building something, you're getting invited in the clubs, you know, of all these big churches, mm. and like competitive part of you kicks in, there's an obligation, yeah, it just it starts becoming about the numbers, and um you've forgotten about Jesus you're chasing the numbers you're chasing the 10,000 people on a Sunday uh, you know you're not as worried about Jesus and it's just it's, <clears throat> you're getting distracted you're running after other things and they're, and they're things that seem so close to being right like we want 10,000 people in church on Sunday that seems so close mm. to being the truth but it's, t- it's for our numbers it's for our podcast downloads yeah, what's motivating you? Yeah. What's driving you? Because I think it, I think for all those guys, it just gradually drifted from I want to see people saved to I want for Driscoll in particular, I want the biggest church mm. in the world. Yeah, mm. and like numbers aren't necessarily bad, mm. but when no. numbers become the focus, yeah, because yeah. numbers help us measure things, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that's really important for us to be reflective yeah. of that because it yeah. helps us see where we're heading and things we might need to change. Yeah. But yeah, when that becomes the focus more yeah. so than preaching the gospel mm. and it's more about you um, then mm. yeah, yeah clear signs there mm. um, Dave yeah so look I think um, in any leadership position whether you hold it in a church or another volunteer organisation or even in you know a, a business sense uh, there is wisdom in surrounding yourself with people who uh, aren't there necessarily talk into the business or what you do, but who you are mm. and how you act. I actually think there's deep humility that comes with that. Um, to say to someone, here's the questions I don't want you to ask me, <laughs> so to speak, mm. and actually invite them in mm. uh, to, to have that conversation with you. Give them permission to ask questions about your character. Um, and for me, like I, you know, I've had and still do have people in my life, uh, who I invite in to speak to my character, uh, because I don't want, because the thing that's going to shut you out of ministry is your character. 
Mm. Not your competencies. Very rarely will be your convictions in our evangelical world. Mm. It is your character. And the scriptures talk that up. Um, and keep an eye on it. You know, they watch your life and doctrine closely. Mm. They go together. You know, they're tied together. They're, um, it's not a loose bond. It's a tight bond. Uh, but watch your life. Watch it closely. Mm-hmm. That means not just staring at the mirror going, you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best dude ever. You are the most gifted preacher. You're just talking to the mirror at that point. Mm. Ask someone else in your life to go, how do you think I'm preaching? Mm. How do you think I come across? And they go, dude, stop doing that. Mm. Um, or do you know that's how you come across? You're like, oh, no, I don't. Mm. Um, or open them up to your personal life, you know. Mm. Uh, this is what I'm struggling with and get them to, it's just important to do. And I, I, I look for these people and they've set structures up sometimes to sort of go, I don't know who to trust, um, but they haven't got people in there either organisationally to keep them accountable uh, of, of what that looks like. Uh, and that, that was a common thread with, with some of these guys, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah the three guys I know most, Houston... Driscoll and Zachariah said that they all restructured so that they were pretty much impossible to keep accountable. Yeah. And that's a very alarming sign. And you don't want Absolutely. people pulling you up, calling you out. Uh, and the most famous case was Driscoll, like John Piper, amazing preacher. Someone says, hey, maybe get Piper to mentor you. He's older than you. He's been around longer than you. Also has a massive church. And when Driscoll just says, my church is bigger than his, I can't learn from him. Like just a disaster. Yeah. Like no accountability. No. Yeah, it's uh, it does it hurts though to have people speak into your life because you yeah. you learn things about yourself you don't like, but um, keeps you humble. Yeah, and it and it saves you for serving God long term, whether it's in ministry or in any other area. Yep. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, that's it for all the questions. So thank you, um, Dave. What's coming up this week? Yeah, uh, I have two things I want to talk about. Look out. Uh, number one, we're back. Continue on back. We're continuing on in Matthew. Um, it's uh, we're looking at Jesus' baptism and we're looking at his temptations. Mm. And so, if you've ever been tempted, I'll see you on Sunday. Mm. Uh, I'll be there. Um, <laughs> uh, these guys will be there yeah. um, because I think there's good things we can learn from mm. how Jesus responds to it in terms of what we've got to do as well. Yeah. But next week, I'm I'm also hoping that uh, we might have some uh, a new voice on the podcast, James. Uh, we might. I might have to start answering questions from next week. <laughs> How good will that be? <laughs> I know. Look out. Now I'll be the we can one grill him. Uh, yeah. getting grilled. We can finally grill him. Yeah. yeah, next week. Dave, tell us what's happening. Well, um, I'm just going to say the uh, we're, we're going to have a new host. Hey. Uh, I'm going to keep in suspense as to actually who it is. Yeah. Um, just to make sure we can get him in the room for next week. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the aim, is uh, we'll have a new host who's going to host weekly, be part of our conversations, not just to ask the questions, but to help us answer as well. Yep. I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, we're really looking forward to having this person join us. And um, we've also been gifted a bit of gear as well. So we've been using a room mic, uh, but in the coming weeks, we're actually going to be upgrading um, the quality of our audio. So look out for that too. It's going to be fantastic. So um, I'm yeah. just I'm just thankful this is not a video. Mm. Um. Yeah, we're definitely not dressed for the occasion. You never know. Oh, that'll be great. So we're looking forward to having that person join us next week, and uh, we really hope that we will also see you next week for set on Sunday.
Do we want to have a code word this week for our faithful listeners? You pick it. Cricket. <laughs> I'm not even that into cricket. I don't know why I said it. Just, I don't know why I said it. It's, it's, it out, it's yeah. no better than me saying pineapples uh, off the yeah. cuff. I'm, so I'm not even into cricket right now. Yeah, but we'll, let, we'll, let, we'll let the host go. pick it yeah. next week because yeah. that'll be yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that'll make the cut next week, but um, anyway. Well, I still get to edit, so <laughs> yeah. we'll see what happens. All right, well, thanks, Heath, for joining us for Settle on Sunday, and um, we'll catch you next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.